0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com.
1: Thank you for a hedge of protection around them that as they rest that you would refresh them. Your word says that you refresh those who refresh others. So refresh your kids as they get away uh, for this month, Lord. Strengthen them, fortify them in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen? All right, see, look, we prayed and the screen is back. You see? You see, uh-huh. you see what we did? Okay, let's jump into the main text. It's Luke 22, verses 39 through 47, and it says this. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. I came here to tell you this morning that you can't pray like Jesus without praying with Jesus. The title of today's message is Summer of Prayer, Presence Driven Prayer, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we say it once again, we don't make room for you here, we give you this entire room. Holy Spirit, come get the glory that you deserve. Come get the honor that you deserve in this room. I pray that you would teach us how to pray. Would you give us your heart and your mind for prayer? I pray that the things that we have not known about prayer would you show us. Father, even as I'm talking, would you teach exactly what they need to hear, how they need to hear it? Come do it only you can do it in the room. I just speak to that spirit of religion and I bind you right now in the name of Jesus. You have no authority in this room. I declare no distractions will succeed in this room today. Anything that would try to exalt itself over the knowledge of God, we pull you down now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we say, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are stewarding a prophetic word for this year. Anybody know what the prophetic word we're stewarding is? Dunamis, you got it, we're stewarding dunamis. Dunamis is when the Holy Spirit's power goes from resting on you to abiding inside of you. Part of that prophetic word is that this year, we will be strengthening and fortifying through prayer. And specifically this summer, we're calling it a summer of prayer because we're focusing on strengthening and strengthening and fortifying through prayer. And I just wanna take a moment and celebrate everybody who showed up this past Wednesday We had our corporate prayer time on this past Wednesday and there were so many people in the room. And I just wanna celebrate you. I know it's so easy uh, coming into the summer to just kinda like unplug a little bit, step back a little bit, Uh, but it was crazy. We had probably the most people that we'd ever saw at a corporate prayer night here this Wednesday as we're going into the summer. And so I wanna celebrate that we have a house that prays. Really amazing. And I wanna encourage you, if you don't already know this, on the last Wednesday night of every month, we pray together, we do corporate prayer. So come pray with your church body uh, on the last Wednesday night of every month. On the second Wednesday of every month, we also specifically take time and pray for the arts and entertainment industry. We pray for creatives, we pray for the worship world. So if you feel called to any of that, come pray with us on the second Wednesday night of every month. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we have the worship room. Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30 a.m. and 7 to 8.30 p.m. Come join us, come pray with us. Uh, Get in the presence of God with us. Uh, And kind of in light of that, another place that you can come join us in prayer is on July 17th, 19th, I did this in the last service. On July 19th, we're gonna be gathering to pray for the black community. And so if you are a part of the black community, if you feel called to the black community, if you wish you were a part of the black community, wh- whatever it is, come pray with us. I see hands lifted everywhere. I'm just kidding, but come, come pray with us. Come join us. Uh, Pastor Landon says this all the time. You don't try to fix your marriage when you're in the middle of a fight, right? You try not to kill your spouse, right? You don't wanna hurt them. That's what you're trying not to do when you're in a fight. You, you work on your marriage when things are good not when you're in the middle of something. And so right now, in case you haven't noticed, there's not a lot of crazy, intense racial tension in America, but election season is near. And in case you haven't noticed, there's always tension presented to us around election season. And so we're gonna get ahead of that and strengthen and fortify as a community before the enemy tries to come in. This is guerrilla warfare prayer. And so come join us and pray on July 19th at 6.30 p.m. for the black community. Mercy culture is a house of prayer. And that's what we will be known for. If God's going to be strengthening and fortifying us through prayer, uh, we should probably be learning about prayer, right? Should probably be growing in our revelation about prayer. So today we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is a foundation of our faith. Martin Luther said it like this. As is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Christianity and prayer go hand in hand. Martin Luther also said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without praying or be alive without breathing. What is Martin Luther saying? He's saying that prayer is absolutely necessary for the Christian walk. I venture to say that it's non-negotiable if you're a follower of Jesus. There are over 600 prayers listed all throughout the Bible. You might not even notice them as you read because there are so many, there's so many prayers just all over the place. The prayer of Jabez, which is a a prayer of territory expansion. We prayed it all last year. It's in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Solomon's prayer for wisdom. God basically said to Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. God answered his prayer. Paul prays for the churches all throughout the New Testament. Prayer is everywhere, all throughout the word of God. There are over 450 recorded answers to prayers throughout the Bible. Now this is important because a lot of us don't pray because we stop believing that God answers prayers. And so if you don't believe God answers prayers, then you won't pray. Why would you pray to God if you don't think he's gonna answer your prayers? A lot of us get hit right there. And the truth is, the the bad news is, some of you maybe haven't developed a lot of history with the Lord to know that he's faithful to answer prayers. Maybe you haven't experienced that. That's the bad news. The good news is, you don't have to base your prayer life off of your own stories of his faithfulness. You can base your prayer life off of his faithfulness, which is just his nature and character, and we have tons of stories in the Bible where he answered prayers. And so sometimes you have to feast on his faithfulness in somebody else's life until you get your own testimony. You have to go look and see, okay, God was a healer here in the word. He was a deliverer here in the word. He set people free here. Even if I haven't seen that in my life yet, I see it in the word of God. And that's what I'm gonna use as my fuel, my faith, to keep engaging him in prayer. And we often forget about all those stories. So let me remind you of a couple of them. David prayed and God defeated his enemies. Daniel prayed, and God gave him the ability to both tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream and to give him the interpretation of the dream. Nehemiah prayed, and God moved the heart of the king of Persia to grant him a leave of absence to visit and rebuild Jerusalem. Esther and Mordecai prayed, and God exposed and defeated Haman's evil plans and saved the Jews from destruction. The believers in Jerusalem prayed, and God opened the prison doors and set Peter free when Herod had plans to kill him. Our God is faithful to respond to the prayers of his people. He's good. He loves to respond to his people. And I think it's important to just note that it is an honor that we get to pray. I don't know the last time you thought about this, but do you know how crazy it is that we get to talk to God that we get to have conversation with the creator of the world, that he wants to talk to you, that he wants to have dialogue with you, like you guys are acting real chill about it. It's crazy. It's crazy that God wants to talk to us. It's quite possibly one of the greatest honors of our life that we get to talk to God the one who made us, the one who created all of this, have dialogue with you. Billy Graham said it like this, prayer is a two-way conversation between you and God. This is one of my favorite quotes because he's talking about conversation with God again. What's conversation? It's a place where you talk and you listen. So God both wants to hear from you and he wants to speak to you. We all know those people, Will you hang out with them and all they do is talk the whole time? I know you're sitting next to the person right now. Don't, don't make a move. Don't, don't do it. That's not great. If you're talking to somebody, there, it should be like a two-way situation going on. Come on, I'm helping somebody's friendship life right now. I'm helping somebody's marriage right now. Talk and listen. God wants to talk to you. And he wants to listen to you. Prayer is a conversation with God, and I'm so thankful because we're able to have this constant intimacy, this constant dialogue and conversation with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can stay in communion with God because of Jesus. And Jesus not only made a way for us, but he modeled a lifestyle of prayer for us. He is the greatest example of a prayer life we have. If you're looking for a model for your prayer life, look at Jesus' life. Look at what he's done. He must have deeply understood the weight of prayer because of the short three years that he lived in, in, in ministry. Like so much of his time was spent in prayer. Over and over again, he would go pray. We tend to focus in on the incredible things that he did without giving equal focus to the place where those things were birthed, and that is in prayer. He was constantly getting away to pray. 175 times in scripture, Jesus teaches on prayer or he actually takes time to pray. He would often go away and pray, and then signs and wonders and miracles and healings, deliverance would manifest through his prayers. And everyone started to notice that Jesus was walking in dunamis. It says it in Matthew 13, 54. They said to him, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? That word miracles, you know it, it's dunamis. They're saying, where did he get this dunamis from? Jesus' prayer life released dunamis everywhere he went, but, he all, but it also strengthened and fortified him and those around him. If you notice, all throughout the word, Jesus would invite the disciples to come pray with him. He'd say, hey, you guys, come, come pray with me. Come join me in prayer. And eventually, they worked up enough courage to ask him a question. Eventually, they were just like so... Can you teach us how to do this prayer thing? Luke 11, 1, you know the passage is right before the Lord's prayer. Then he begins to teach them. He gives them a model for praying. And my, my question for you is when's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to teach you? Practical advice as we're leaning into prayer in this summer and this year, I'm encouraging you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. Just do it right now. Just say, Lord, teach me how to pray teach us how to pray, Lord. He wants to teach us. If Jesus had a prayer life, how in the world do you think you could walk like Jesus without a prayer life? You can't. That's the truth. I believe if the enemy can keep you from praying like Jesus, he can keep you from walking Jesus. Your prayer life is key to you walking in the fullness of everything God has for you. This is why there's such a war against your prayer life. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know those moments you decide I'm gonna go pray and as soon as you start praying, you just, you just get sleepy. You're like, Lord, I love you. Just, just gone, just KO, just sleeping. As soon as you start praying, you remember that text message from three weeks ago that you never responded to? Y'all yeah, know what I'm talking about. As soon as you start praying, you start thinking about everything that needs to happen in the day. Just you weren't thinking about, and all of a sudden you gotta clip your toenails. You're just like, I don't know why, just all of a sudden, just, just random stuff. Things just come into your mind as soon as you start praying. As Soon as you start praying, you have this burning desire to get on IG, knowing good and well, ain't nobody sent you no message, you ain't got no comments, nothing happened. But you just gotta go and see. As soon as you start praying. Listen to me, y'all know what I'm talking about. But I want you to think about it. Why didn't you get sleepy when it was time to sleep? You just sitting in bed like. Like how come you didn't go to sleep then? But you gotta sleep when it's time to pray. How come you didn't remember to text those people back when you were sitting on the toilet texting? (laughs) Y'all thought we didn't know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is that the place? How come you didn't text them right there? You know what I'm saying? Why do your kids inside World War III in your living room every time you start to get ready to pray? You just set your heart to go towards prayer and there's just, whoa, just craziness in your house. What's happening? There's a war against your prayer life. There's a war against your prayer life. I believe the enemy doesn't want you to walk like Jesus in the earth, so he wants to do everything he can to keep you from praying like Jesus. So the question is, well, how did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed often. Over and over in the word of God, it says that he went to pray. Luke 5, verse 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus prayed often. He also prayed authentically. You guys know this moment in Luke or Matthew 27, 46, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a very authentic moment that Jesus has with the father where he feels like God forsaked him, forsook him. And I want you to know some of you are afraid to talk to God like that. You're afraid to say the hard thing to God, but Jesus wasn't afraid of saying the hard thing to God. Jesus was authentic with the Father. He talked with sincerity. Jesus made prayer simple. Last Sunday, Pastor Heather talked about three tactics the enemy uses to frustrate your prayer life. If you haven't listened to that message, be sure to go back and check it out, it was powerful. But I wanna give you another tactic the enemy uses to frustrate your prayer life. And that tactic is that he can make prayers seem complicated. God doesn't want or need more complicated prayers from you. He just wants to hear from you. He just wants to talk to you. The other day, I found an old journal that I used to write my prayers in when I was a little girl. I just wanted to share, share it with you guys because I was marked by the authenticity and simplicity of my eight-year-old prayer life. And so let's, let's take a look at these little letters that I was writing to the Lord. Here's the first entry in my eight-year-old journal to the Lord. Dear God, you are going to be my holy diary. Anytime I have to talk to you about something, You will listen and help. God, read everything I write in here and do everything I need you to do. And then I must've got like convicted or something because a couple lines later I said, Lord, on that last sentence, I didn't mean it like that. I I just want you to do that, please. It's very authentic with the Lord. The next letter, a couple months later I said, dear God, I hope today will be a good day. No, today will be a good day. You see, I had that declaration in me at an early age, you know what I'm saying? And I said, the reason that I didn't write you last night is because I had to go to bed. Don't let me get a bad whooping. Spare the rod, spoil the child, everybody, praise the Lord. And let me get all good grades today, love you. The next letter, same day. Dear God, I know I wrote you this morning, but I'm going to write you again because you are great. Today was a great day. I got a good report from the teacher and got good grades. Let tomorrow be great too. Oh, and Lord, tomorrow is Friday, and I want the courage to tell more people about you. Don't let me have any bad dreams or no dreams. Love you. Amen. This is how my prayer life began. Just simple authentic before the Lord and some of you you hear Pastor Landon up here preaching or you hear Pastor Ev up here preaching and you're just like man I can't pray like that I don't I can't I don't have all those words I don't know how to do that and I want you to know God's not asking you to he just wants you to be authentic with him he just wants you to talk to him I mean you know for me I was just like I don't want to whoop in, Lord You know, some of you need to say that to the Lord. I don't want a woman, Lord. For me, I just told him, I know I didn't talk to you yesterday because I had to go to bed. Some of you just need to be authentic with him about that. I know I didn't have my daily encounter yesterday. I'm sorry, Lord, here I am today. Just talk to him. Just be authentic with him. Practical advice is be more concerned about talking with God than you are talking to God correctly. He cares more about talking to you. Matthew 6, 7 says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. That phrase, heap up empty phrases, it means to blubber nonsensical repetitions or to use empty or vain words. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't make it complicated. Don't just say words that seem fancy and things that aren't real. Just talk to me. Just be authentic with me. I would say stop talking around God and at God. You've been invited to talk to him. Did you know that it's possible to sing songs about God without ever singing to him? Did you know you could be sitting in worship, singing all the songs that the worship team is leading you into and never actually sing to him and never actually connect with him intimately? I know it's possible because I've done it before. And in those moments when it happens, I have to refocus and say, God, I'm here for you. Help me to look at you right now. But it's possible to just sing stuff and not actually ever sing to him. Did you know that it's possible to pray to God without ever having a conversation with him? You could just be in your prayer closet just saying stuff but not actually connecting with him and talking to him. God doesn't want that for us. Praying is really hard when you're not actually talking to the one who moves the mountains. It's really difficult to pray if you're not talking to him. There are people all over the body of Christ who believe the lie that prayer is hard. There are intercessors all over the body of Christ who have believed that prayer is hard, that have believe that it's hard to talk to God. And as I was praying and preparing for this weekend, it was like I could just hear Jesus saying, I know you're tired, I know you're having a hard time in this prayer space, but you don't have to strive to talk to me. I just want to talk to you. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, you know this passage, but it says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Watch, if prayer is hard, maybe you're doing it wrong. I know I'm stepping on toes right now. If you got toes, I just... Just protect them, because I'm coming for them right now. Just, just protect them. I'm coming for you. Listen to me. We're saying that this year we're strengthening and fortifying in prayer. If you don't break through here, you're going to miss out on something God has for you. If you don't break through, if you stay in religion that says prayer is hard... If you just decide not to talk to God and not to engage in a prayer life because you think it's hard, you think it's difficult, you tried to pray before and it didn't work the other time, you're not going to break through spiritually. And we want you to break through. We want you to grow spiritually in this house. And so I'm telling you, prayer is easy in his presence. Religion is what says prayer is hard. Pastor Lennon talks about it all the time, but religion is what tries to come and rehang the veil to make it harder to get into the presence of God when Jesus came to tear the veil so that we could have full access to the Father. Religion makes it hard. So the odds are if prayer is hard for you, you might not be praying in his presence. Not praying in his presence could easily be likened to trying to have a substantial conversation with your spouse from different rooms in the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You in the kitchen, your spouse is in the master bedroom bathroom, and y'all just say, hey, babe, can you? He said, huh? Can you do this? What? It's not an easy connection. It's easier to connect when you're closer. You may be in the same house, but the reality is proximity still matters. The closer you get, the easier it is to talk to one another. You catch every nuance, every expression, every slight grin, every little teardrop, all of the little things you start to catch in conversation when you're closer in proximity. It's not that you can't talk to your spouse when they're in another room in the house. It's just that there's a better time to talk with them about meaningful things, and it's when they're close. So often, we do this with the Lord. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with the Lord in different rooms? Let me explain. Cause I can feel some of you like, what is she talking about? What are we doing right here? The presence of God is the spirit of Jesus in the room. When we say Holy Spirit, we're talking about the spirit of Jesus. When we say the presence of God, we're saying that it's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus in the room. We are not saying that some weird ethereal feeling just happened in the room. We're not talking about a vibe. We're not talking about uh, some some aura in the room. We're talking about Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus comes into the room. When we say he came, when we say Holy Spirit come, when he, like, we're, we're talking about an actual person of the Holy Spirit. He's real. He's real, and there are many different ways to express what it feels like when he comes into a room or what happens when he comes into the room. You probably hear Pastor Landon say all the time that he gets chill bumps. He'll be like, did you feel those chill bumps? And the truth is, when he says that, maybe some of you don't feel chill bumps. And I want you to get discouraged if he says, did you feel those chill bumps and you didn't get chill bumps? Because maybe you didn't get chill bumps, but maybe you felt warmth on your body. Maybe you felt a heaviness, a weightiness come into the room. Maybe you just felt a a, a peace, a stillness come into the room. Uh, For me, it's like it's electricity in my body. I just feel this like, ooh, you know, like, I feel this electricity in my body. The disciples, when they were walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, they said, did our hearts not burn within us? For them, it was a burning that happened when he came. For others in the room, maybe, maybe, maybe you feel like honey, falling on you or a blanket coming on you. I don't know what it is, but he, he usually shows you when he comes in the, in the room. He makes himself known. He does something to make himself obvious in the room. Uh, I've seen moments where he's come into the room and gold dust are on people's hands. Moments where he's come into the room and there's oil just coming out of people's hands that wasn't there before he came into the room. I've seen moments where he comes like a mighty rushing wind and it's like a whirlwind comes into the room and there's no AC, there's nothing else happening, but he came like that. When he comes, he makes himself known. I just wanna give a disclaimer here. We don't base our relationship with God off of feelings or manifestations. But it is very important that you know that he loves to make himself known. He loves to come close. We get this question all the time. Well, what's the difference between God's omnipresence and his manifest presence? Like, isn't God just here all the time? Why are you making a distinction? Why do you have to say, come, 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 if he's just here all the time, right? We have people ask that question all the time. I just wanna, wanna just teach a little bit here. I wanna help you understand what's happening. Yes, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere but he also loves to manifest his presence, as I was just explaining. That word manifest, it specifically means to make clear or obvious to the eye or to the mind. So it's when he comes to make himself obvious in the room. We see it in Exodus three with the burning bush. God's omnipresent, yes, so then why did he need to come with the burning bush other than to make himself known to Moses? He did both. He is omnipresent, but he decided to make himself known in that moment. We see it again in Acts 2. He's omnipresent, he's there, but then he comes like a mighty rushing wind and he just wrecks the place. He made himself known, he didn't have to do that. There's, his, his omnipresence is there. Well, he wants to make it obvious that he's here. He loves to make himself known in a room. And when he comes in the room, things happen. People get healed, people get delivered, people get set free. Even as I'm saying this right now, I feel him in the room. This morning as I was praying, I heard him say that he wanted to deliver people of sleep apnea today. I made a joke about it earlier, but some of you haven't slept in weeks. I don't know who you are in this room, but the Lord talked to me about you. He's in the room right now to heal you. Holy Spirit, we love you. I thank you that when we just talk about you, you come. If you just if you sense him in the room right now, just thank him for coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, if you need healing in your body right now, just stand to your feet. You don't have to clap. He's here. Yeah, just tell him what you need. Spirit of Jesus, heal your people right now. Because you love to make yourself known. Hmm. We've been hearing for the last couple days that he wanted to heal people this morning. Had a little boy come up to me after the last service and say that he got healed in the service. The healer's in the room right now. This is when you pray. You pray in his presence. And so just if you're next to somebody with their hand lifted, don't just uh, keep the stillness in the room, but just lay your hands on them and declare healing over their body right now. Father, we thank you for your healing. Power your dunamis in the room right now. That just comes because of your presence. And so we partner with what you're doing in the room and we just declare let your healing go forth right now. Mm. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord praises to your name O Lord for your name is great and greatly to be praised I sing praises to your name O Lord praises to your name, O Lord, for your name is great, and greatly to be praised. You may be seated. I feel like the Lord wants to to teach, that he's not done teaching. I'm gonna share with you guys these five points that I feel like he told me to give to you. He wants to come like this every time you pray. And so I'm just gonna run through these and we're gonna come back. I believe there's more healing he wants to do in the room But one of the first steps to prayer that's presence driven, praying from his presence, is making a place for him. If you're taking notes, write that down. You can text notes to 59090 if you want these steps. But make a place for him. This is when you have somebody coming over your house, you clean the bathroom, you wash the dishes, you make queso, whatever it is, You do all of the things that need to happen. You prepare the atmosphere so that you can be fully present with them when they come. For some of you, you need to figure out how to make a place for him. What are the things that you need to do so that you can fully focus on him when he comes? For me, that looks like getting clutter out of the way in my prayer room need to clean that, make sure there's nothing there because it distracts me from focusing on him. For some of you, it may be putting your phone on do not disturb or leaving it in another room, but make a place for him. The second thing is to welcome him. That's when you open the door for him. If you notice, when we start on a Sunday morning, a lot of times we'll start with, Lord, we don't make room for you, we give you the entire room. We'll keep telling him, come out of your way, come get your glory, come do what you wanna do. What are we doing? We're welcoming him. We're opening the door, we're saying, come in here. We want you to be here. Derek Prince once said, if I have 10 minutes to pray, I worship for seven or eight minutes and then I pray for two or three minutes. Why? What does it matter if you talk to him and he's not in the room? Welcome him. Open the door for him to come in. He's relational. And he will come where he is welcome. So you have make a place for him. You have welcome him. You have number three, which is acknowledge him. This is when people come to your house. You meet them at the door and you say, I'm so glad you came. I'm so happy that you're here. (laughs) when you say you're so happy that he's here. We want you to learn how to discern when he comes close in a room so that you can acknowledge him. Those moments where we say, hey, did you feel that? He's here. He's in the room. It's not because we don't have anything better to say. It's because we want you to join in in a unified celebration and acknowledgement that he came. You know, when somebody comes to your house and your kids are upstairs, you yell up to everybody and you say, hey, so-and-so just came. What are you doing? You're inviting them into a unified celebration and acknowledgement. That's what we're doing when we say that on Sundays. Because we want you to learn how to do that in your daily encounter that when he comes, when when the room shifts, that you can stop and say, there you are. Thank you for coming, thank you for being here. Some of the practical things that you can do to acknowledge him, you can physically respond. For some of you, that may look like stopping when you feel his presence. Maybe walking and when you feel him somewhere, just stop. For others of you, it may be bowing to him For Pastor Chris Chima, he takes his shoes off to acknowledge him. When I feel the Lord come into the room, I'll literally stop and say, there you are. There you are. Just acknowledge him. Just tell him you're happy to see him. Tell him you're so thankful that he came. Number four is stay with him. So number one, we said make a place for him. Number two, we said welcome him. Number three, we said acknowledge him. And number four, stay with him. You know those moments where people come over to your house and you're talking to them, but you maybe see the thing in the corner that still needs to be dusted? Right? You don't come out of conversation with them and go dust the thing, because they're gonna be sneezing. It's gonna be awkward. They're not gonna feel like you're present with them. You don't do that. You stay. You stay locked in. You stay present. That's what we're supposed to do with the Lord. You keep gazing at him. You don't let anything take your, your, your lock, your, the, the gaze, your, your eyes being locked on him. You just keep looking at him. That made me meditating on his nature and his character. Just thinking about him. For some of you, you may need to put his face before you and just look at him. But you stay fixed on him. Jesus said it John 15:4, he said, Abide in me and I in you. In John 15:7, I never noticed this, but it's actually a key to prayer. He says, If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What is Jesus saying? The best place to pray is in my presence. The best place to ask whatever you wish and it be done for you is when you abide in me and I in you. That we're supposed to pray from a place of abiding with him. When you get in a room like this and he's here, and you've made a place for him and you welcomed him and you acknowledge him and he's here, this is the place. You stay with him and then you start telling him what's on your heart. That's number five, it's pray with him. A lot of times for me that looks like praying in my heavenly language. Pastor Landon says this all the time, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Lord speaks to you. You begin to hear God. And so I start off by just praying in my heavenly language, praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, the Lord begins to tell me what's on his heart. All of a sudden, things start coming to mind to pray for that I didn't think of before. The other day, I was doing that. I was praying in the Spirit. I was praying with the Lord. And all of a sudden, I kept seeing somebody on our worship team face keep coming before me. I pray in the Spirit, and then I see his face. I pray in the Spirit. I see his face. And so I just began to pray over him when I felt like the Lord was leading me to pray. I saw him on Sunday and I said, hey, the Lord's been bringing your face before me all week. He just had tears well up in his eyes. And he says, I've been getting attacked with suicidal thoughts all week. What happened? I was praying with the spirit of God. I was praying with him. And so he started sharing his secrets with me about how to pray. That's why it's easy. Because you don't have to make up stuff to pray. When you pray in the spirit, he intercedes through you. It says that Jesus is the great intercessor, interceding for us, and then it says that the Holy Spirit, the advantage that Jesus gave us, intercedes through us. Desires to do that. In Romans 8:26, it says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. When we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells us what to pray. You don't have to come up with stuff to pray. You pray in the Spirit, and he tells you what to pray. Then he begins to even highlight Scripture and things to you that that gives you authority to pray those things in the Spirit because you're praying his word. It says that, The Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that Jesus said. In other words, he'll remind us of the Word. Here's the thing, you can't pray the Word of God if the Word's not in you, because the Holy Spirit has nothing to remind you of if it wasn't in there to start with. And so you have to get the Word of God in you. Read the Word of God, eat the scroll, read the scripture. And as you eat it, you're giving the Holy Spirit something to partner with and remind you of when you begin to pray. That's why prayer is easy in his presence, because you don't have to do it on your own. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm gonna go back to our main text. One of the most well-known moments we find Jesus praying is with his disciples in the garden, right before he's taken away to be crucified. He invited a few disciples to come pray with him. And the word for prayer that's used in that scripture, it means to exchange wishes or desires. I want you to remember this, that prayer is a place of exchange. That's why you go into prayer one way and then you leave a different way when you actually prayed with him because there's an exchange that happens. You come in with your concerns and your worries and all of your doubts and all of your fears and you begin to talk to him and be authentic with him and tell him he can do, he can have it all, he can do whatever he wants and then he begins to give you faith and confidence and boldness and he begins to remind you of what he said. There's an exchange that happens when you pray with him. And so here's Jesus, And he begins to release his desires in the garden in exchange for God's desires. He says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. This is a really hard moment. And it says, as soon as he prayed that prayer, an angel came and strengthened him. He was strengthened and fortified in prayer. That word strengthened right there, it means to be strong enough to face the necessary confrontation. Jesus' necessary confrontation was going through the unthinkable for us, being whipped for us, being bruised for us, being broken for us. He went through the unthinkable confrontation, and he had the ability to because he was strengthened in prayer. And so it was so drastic what he was going to be going through for us that even the disciples had a hard time processing it. They had a hard time wrapping their minds around it to the point to where they were trying to fight what needed to happen. And it says that the reason that they were having such a hard time with this moment is because they hadn't made the same exchange Jesus had made in prayer. They hadn't done what Jesus did. We know this because in this passage, it says that Jesus got up from prayer and he went back to the disciples. So imagine this, Jesus is over here. He gets up from prayer and the disciples are all the way back there. So it says he goes back to them. And as he goes back to them, he says, it says that Jesus found that they were sleeping. They were exhausted from sorrow. And according to this passage, It says that they went with Jesus to a certain place, but Jesus went a stone's throw away. So again, he's coming back to them. And I think this is interesting because they were followers of Jesus, but they didn't come with Jesus when he went to pray. And it doesn't say that Jesus told them to stay there. It doesn't say that that he was like, hey, you guys stay here, I'm gonna go there. It just says that they got to a certain place and then Jesus kept going and they never came with him. So because of that, they never got to pray with Jesus. They never got to make the exchange the way that Jesus made the exchange. They had an opportunity to pray in his presence. It seems like they weren't willing to press through the discomfort or maybe awkwardness they might have been feeling to actually pray with him. They tried to pray away from him and they struggled to pray but maybe if they would have prayed with him, they would have stayed awake. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they, would have, they wouldn't have bowed to their temptation. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they would have learned how to pray. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they, wouldn't, they, they would have known what to, what to pray in a moment of deep sorrow when things got really hard for them. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they would have made the same exchange that Jesus made, their will for the Father's will. And in this moment, Jesus' prayer life allowed him to do something that was beyond his own ability. He didn't want to do it. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. The disciples didn't have the strength that Jesus had because they didn't pray with him. You can't pray like Jesus without praying with Jesus. If everybody could just get on your feet this afternoon. As I prayed into this morning service, I just kept getting this vision of us singing these old love songs to the Lord. I didn't really understand why he wanted to do that. I just kept having visions of it. And then all day today, there's been this theme of people being delivered from the spirit of religion. And we're gonna go into some of these songs in a second here, but I feel like there may be people in the room that as I was even talking about prayer, uh, even as I was talking about prayer, that you could feel that you've been struggling with prayer you could feel the religion that's tried to make it hard for you to just pray with Jesus. And I believe he's in the room to bring freedom to you today. And so if that's you, if you recognize that spirit of religion, if you recognize how hard it's been, I just want to invite you to come up to the altar right now. If that's not you, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and move somewhere right now. Come on, everybody in the room should be moving somewhere right now. yeah we're just going to begin to minister to the Lord remember what I was talking about earlier there's these moments when you have a decision of if you're gonna sing about him if you're gonna sing around him or if you want to sing to him And I want to encourage you sing straight to him this morning come on every hand lifted every eye closed just focus on Jesus come on this is the answer to the religion just sing to him oh just minister lord, to him just focus on him
0: praises to your name oh lord oh lord your name
1: is great for your name is great yeah. and Sing praises to your... Come on every voice in the room. team or one of the pastors or leaders in this house of mercy culture I want to invite you to just come and begin to pray for people who answered this altar call for religion just begin to lay hands on people pray with people partner with them right now in the spirit I don't want everybody just begin to sing in your heavenly language sing in the spirit right now we're not prophesying this doesn't require interpretation I'm teaching you how to build up your spirit man I'm teaching you how to pray in the presence right now come on sing in the spirit I'm not a Your hands right now. I believe He's in the room. That He's here to give you your prayer language. To give you that gift of the Spirit. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now. Come, come, Holy Spirit, come closer. You said that you come to give good gifts. So give the good gifts away right now in the room. Come on, the entire room. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Come on, let's go again. Pray in the Spirit. Don't get tired. this is the moment just acknowledge him in the room right now whatever that looks like for you just acknowledge him whether you say oh there you are whether you have to get on your knees whether it's lifting your hands whether it's stopping where you are just do whatever it takes I'm trying to teach you right now mercy culture acknowledge him in the room right now come on Holy Spirit we acknowledge you we love it when you come Uh, You're the reason we do this Holy Spirit. You're the reason we came today Hmm. The reason we came You're the reason now just say come closer come on ask him to come closer right now Come on ask him to come closer closer Open up your mouth and just say come closer closer Come on, open up your mouth and say, come closer, come closer. Uh, come on, Mercy Culture, open up your mouth. Say, come closer, come closer. Just ask Him to come closer. Ah, uh, Come on, this is the place where healing begins. This is the place where deliverance happens. This is the place where you get set free right here in His presence. Come on, just say, come closer. Come closer, come closer. Come closer, come closer. Uh, One more time, if you're in the room and you need healing right now in your physical body, would you lift your hands? You have some type of ailment, illness, physical pain in your body, just lift your hands and just say, will you come closer? Come closer, come closer. Healer, would you come closer right now? Come heal your people. Uh, If that sleep apnea thing was you earlier, lift your hands right now. The deliverer's in the room. Come closer, come closer. Yeah, come closer, come closer. Come closer, come closer. Mm -hmm. We love it when you come, come. Tell them that we love it when you come, come, come. Just tell them we love it when you come, come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, watch, this is the place where we pray. If you recognize his presence in the room, will you just lift your hands? Come on, if you you recognize him, don't lie. If you feel his manifest presence in the room, lift your hands right now. If you don't feel him, I want you to look around the room. It's a teaching moment. If you don't feel his presence right now, look around the room. He's here in the room right now. The Holy Spirit is in the room right now. The Spirit of Jesus is in the room right now. This is when you pray. You pray when he comes into the room. It's easy to pray in his presence. It's easy to intercede in his presence. This is when you ask. This is when you pray with him. This is when you say, God, what's on your mind? This is what I wanna pray. And so Lord, we come to you right now. We
0: thank you for your presence. Lord, teach us how to pray. Come on, ask him to teach you how to pray. Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us how to pray. Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray.
1: pray. Pastor Heather gave us an instruction that every day we were supposed to pray these three things. And as I said before, this is the moment that you pray. And so we're going to pray those three things right now. I don't want to just keep the music low, Pastor Ryan, you just pray, because I think it's important that you actually hear yourself pray, that you hear other people in the room pray. And so we're gonna pray these three things, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray in your heavenly language first, and then what will happen is the Holy Spirit will let you know what to pray. You'll all of a sudden start having thoughts about the types of things you should pray about those topics, and then you pray the thing that the Holy Spirit shows you, you got it? All right, let's do it right now. Begin to pray in your heavenly language, just keep it low. The first thing we're praying about is America turning back to God. So when He begins to give you things in the English to pray, begin to pray those things out. Father, I thank you for turning America back to God. Father, I pray that you would awaken places that have grown stagnant in America that used to be wells for revival, places in America that used to be known for revival. I pray that you would awaken those places. (laughs) Father, I pray for President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris I pray for them right now. I'm asking you to encounter them, Lord. I'm asking you to give them dreams and visions. I'm praying that you would turn their hearts to you, that you make yourself known in their bedroom, in their humanity. Would you meet them, Lord? But turn the heart of America back to God. Let's go to number two the body of Christ to operate in the authority of Jesus. Come on, pray in the spirit he called you let's pray engage this is not the moment to get up to go off somewhere come on engage right now father I thank you for the body of Christ being given everything we need to operate in authority I thank you that authority didn't come from us but you gave it to us Lord and so I'm asking you for a grace the empowerment that only comes by your spirit to operate the authority that you already paid for Jesus let's go to number three the family unit not to be divided nor destroyed if you're with your family right now grab the hand of your spouse of your kids whoever you got you came here with and begin to pray for the family unit father we pray for families to be restored even in the body of Christ families that have been ripped apart broken by sin come and restore come and do what only you can do God we're asking you to restore family in our nation I'm asking for a revival of family in America let there be a revival of family of brotherly love. Lord, teach us how to do family in a way that pleases you. Teach us, Holy Spirit. You said that you teach us, and so teach us. Again, Lord, we ask you teach us how to pray. Give us your heart, give us your mind. You give us your heart, your mind for prayer. Lord, you said that it was easy in your presence. And so I just thank you for a grace. Come on, every hand lifted in this room. Lord, would you give us a grace to pray? All the tactics of the enemy that try to distract us and keep us from praying with you, we need you, Holy Spirit, we need grace. We need your empowerment. So would you do that? Would you strengthen and fortify this house through prayer in Jesus' name?